0: Hello everybody, this is Mark Fines and welcome to The Mark Fine Show. This is your one-stop shop for everything American, liberty, freedom, and really just the conservative way. So visit us on Facebook, visit uh, our website, and you know what? We just really want you to spread the message to all of our friends, particularly our liberal friends, because we're going to try to inoculate them against liberalism and really get our country back to where it needs to be. And folks, I mentioned this before, but we're going to be doing a series of Let's Meet the Candidates that are running for the local offices here in Virginia. And today, we are blessed to have uh, our first, actually, I think our our third guest, actually, but the first in person. And so I've got some great news. We are doing in-person interviews now on The Mark Vine Show, and this is the first time since Covid that that has happened, and we have Gina Ciarcio with us today, and she's going to be running for the District Two House of Delegates in Virginia. And so, folks, we're really excited to have her today, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Great. Well, uh, we met through um, Veterans for Virginia, which is a great, uh, great organization, and please check them out. That's Veterans for Virginia. And that's how we got linked together, and really the purpose of this podcast is to meet you, find out a little bit about you, and talk about sort of those big-ticket items. And we're going to be doing some more interviews between now and uh, the election in November. So with that, so Gina, tell us a bit about yourself, just kind of your your background, you know, who are you? And um, I'll just open this as an, this will be an open-ended question. What brought you here today?
1: Okay. All right, Thanks. My name is Gina Ciarcia, and like you said, I'm running in the second district for the Virginia House of Delegates. I am a wife. Um, my husband is a retired Marine of 24 years. So we served together as a married couple for many, many years. We're coming up on our 21st anniversary here this month.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Um, we have five children. Our oldest son, just this week, we dropped him off at the Naval Academy. So he's starting his plebe summer. We're very proud of him. That's right. (laughs) Go Go Navy. Navy, Beat Army. Um, And then behind him, we have a set of twins that are boy-girl twins. They'll be starting uh, their senior year of high school. And then after the twins, I needed a little break. So we have a a gap in there. And we have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. So we have four boys and one girl, our daughter is uh, one of the twins and um, I am a teacher. I taught my own children through homeschooling them for over a decade and then uh, for the last several years I've taught at a classical Christian school and I have been teaching history but I've also taught other subjects in the past too such as rhetoric and logic and writing and Latin even a little bit of Latin Um, so but I really do have a passion for history and so, what prompted me to run, I suppose, was just over the last year to year and a half, a, a feeling of frustration, deep concern about the direction that our state and our country has been heading in, and I really worried for my own children, who are the oldest three who are entering the world now as young adults and also for the high school students that i teach as well i feel like we owe them something much better than what they are receiving at the moment when i graduated from high school in the mid 90s our country was in a different state it did not have the the division and the discord that we are now in the midst of And I remember knowing without a doubt that I was an American and that was the, America was the best country in the world. Mm -hmm. And as a young person in college, I took several mission trips. So I have been to other places in the world, um, like Indonesia, like Azerbaijan and several others that you see the contrast and you realize Wow! In America, we have so much, and not only just material prosperity, but just a rich, um, a rich cultural heritage and uh, and freedom. And not everyone in the world has that, and it makes you grateful. I feel like many of our young people today are being told another narrative that they should be ashamed of our country, that our country has a sordid history, um, and that there's it's irredeemable. And I, I don't believe that that's true at all. And so that was a big thing that prompted me to get involved. I cannot affect what goes on in Washington, D.C., what's going on in Congress or in the White House, but I can affect what's going on locally in my own district. And I can have more of an effect if I am an elected official. So I threw my hat in the ring. So I'm the man in the arena. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, I see. Yes, see I yeah. do. Yes. So you are familiar with that. Yep. I I am the man in the arena. Uh, I got in the fight. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I'm here. It's really for the young people in my life. I want something better for them because I think that they deserve it. And so it's not just too it's about it's not just about the future generations but also i think studying history has helped me to understand what the people in the past what past generations of americans have done for us so not only do i owe it to future generations but i owe it to the past generations that did it for me mm-hmm.
0: oh very well said and i agree with you wholeheartedly and i truly respect that you're doing what you're doing and I've said this before on the Mark Vine Show, and I'll say it again because in my own little world, doing this podcast was you know me throwing my hat in the ring, like the the famous poem from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, mm-hmm. and it's so true. And people will criticize me, and people will criticize you. I mean, if you can't take criticism, don't don't even think about doing what I'm doing right now or, or doing running for office like you are. But for those that criticize you, you know, the question is, but what are you, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing mm-hmm. to make the world a better place and the country a better place? Because I agree with you. This is the greatest nation on planet earth. And if you don't believe that, my first question to you is going to be, where else have you traveled beso- besides the United States of America? That is one thing the Navy did for me. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you is I've been around the world like you've had. I've lived overseas for uh, several years. And every single time I went to overseas, I could not get, wait to get back to this country. Mm-hmm. And There's very nice places. There's beautiful people around the world. Right. But they do not have the liberties that we have. And I could not wait to get back here. I agree with you, though, that we are starting to lose that. Mm-hmm. We are absolutely starting to lose that. Um, just start with the idea that we've lost the ability to uh, have a civil discourse we have. Now, I've never understood why it is that we. I couldn't talk to you. I don't mean you, in, in particular, I mean people um, about differences of opinions on ideas, you know, concepts, larger concepts, and not become very angry with one another. In some cases, become violent because that's we saw that this last year mm-hmm. that we've lost the ability to have a civil discourse over issues. You know, I if I we've gotten to the point now where if I don't like your stance on an issue, or if I don't like who you voted for, then then you must be a bad person. Mm-hmm. Bad person, not just that you have bad ideas. And that's a very, very dangerous concept. And we're seeing a lot of that now. And a lot of those uh, concepts where we are beginning to attack one another as people really trickle down, have trickled down into the, the local level and the state level, which is where you're running for an office, and I think if there's anything about this last year, this last year has gotten us to really understand the importance of local politics as opposed to federal politics, the national level of politics. And in my lifetime, I think this last year, this is probably the biggest uh, light that we've put on the importance of, of local offices. And so maybe um, if you would run through some of the things that you've seen, because you know, in, in your district, these are going to be hot topics. They are hot topics. And for those of you that are listening around the country and around the world, we are right now, as we're speaking, in northern Virginia, which is a hotbed of critical race theory and the controversy that's behind that and the, the battle in the school districts. Um, you know, Gina is not in Loudoun County, but Loudoun County is very close to where Gina is running for an office. So maybe run through that a little bit.
1: Sure. Well, back to what you were saying about our inability to have um civil discourse, it's almost like we have forgotten the art of it. And indeed, it is an art. You know, I'm reminded of Justices Scalia and Ginsburg. They were on opposite ends of the spectrum politically, but they were the best of friends. And I remember hearing an interview with one of them, and they said it's because they don't attack the person, they attack the views. And I think that is an art that we have lost. How many... Students these days participate in debate and learn how to attack the idea. Not many. Uh, it's much easier to just attack the person. So that's we would call those ad hominem attacks. Right. But they're fallacious. Also too, politics has become a zero-sum game, and we are losing the ability to find common ground. and we were, are becoming more and more polarized. Why is that? There's probably several reasons. I think one of them is our lack of community. We're not as community-minded as people used to be, say, 30 years ago. I remember as a kid, it was very common for us to have block parties and the whole neighborhood would come out and have a fun night. Those don't happen as much anymore. We are more isolated And through social media, I think we get into our political echo chambers Mm -hmm. that just reinforce our own ideas, and we're not confronted with ideas that are different than ours, and then when we encounter them, we don't know how to properly analyze them and debate them and instead we resort to attacking the persons. I think that's part of why we uh, are in the in the condition that we're in as far as civil discourse and also there's not been a whole lot of involvement politically in a local way and that feeds into um, the whole idea of our uh, maybe lack of understanding of what's going on locally and being far more focused on the national politics. You know, I'm reminded of Alexis de Tocqueville. He wrote Democracy in America. He was a young Frenchman that came here to America in the 1830s. And his his writing is remarkable because in some places you think this young man must have had a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was able to, to see, um, I guess as an outsider looking into American culture, uh, many of the things that To me, I think it's just amazing what he was able to perceive. But one of the things that he noticed and commended about Americans back then was how everyone was involved in their local government in some form or fashion. So Americans have a tradition that I believe, unfortunately, we have lost of being politically uh, and civilly minded and being involved in local politics. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I think we have now become consumed with what goes on nationally in D.C., what's going on in the White House, Congress, a Supreme Court case, and we become so focused on that that we lose sight of what's going on locally in our town, in our county, in our state even to a degree. And many times I think folks will make a local decision based upon what's happening nationally. And so you have folks that are not making always the most informed decisions when they go in to vote. Maybe they they don't know the candidates who are running. They don't know their stance. They don't know their platform, but they know they're really upset with what's going on in the White House. So whoever's occupying the White House, whether that's a Republican or a Democrat, I'm just I'm just going to vote the opposite when I go to vote for my county supervisors, Down the right? Down the, whole ticket. Down yeah. the ballot. Yep. And that's something that we we should not do. We should be more informed on who our local candidates are and if they are a new candidate, what do they stand for? If they're, you know, a, an incumbent, what have they done or not done? What how have they voted and is that in line with my values? Uh, we should do more research on our on our candidates before we go to vote and not just base our choices upon what's the drama that is unfolding in D.C.
0: Right. And I like the fact that it's it's not one or the other on or off type of approach because you don't like what's going on in the White House. So I'm just going to vote out everybody that's affiliated with that party Mm -hmm. because... As we know, not everybody in a party agrees with what is going on in the office. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I will tell you that I'm guilty of this as well, that I have, I will, and I'm about as connected politically, I'm, I'm, if, as far as an American is concerned, I'm probably as informed or more informed than most people mm-hmm. right here. And I will still look at names on a, bill, a ballot or a, a, an item And not know it or know who that person is and so that's me so i know if if that's the situation i'm in how about the other people that aren't as connected as i am but we need to do a better job of that so i love that message and again if there are any pluses that come out of covid covid has really put a spotlight on the importance of local elections so let's talk about some of those things Mm -hmm. right Critical race theory, which is put out nationally. This is sort of a national initiative, but it's going to be implemented at the local level. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a big thing. Mm -hmm. And you and I, before we came on air, we were talking about critical race theory. And um, you have a teaching background, so this has got to be front and center for you.
1: Sure. Um, Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Critical race theory, obviously, that is something that I'm really strongly opposed to and I'll tell you why if you look at the foundation of the ideology of critical theory it does have a Marxist uh, foundation so it You have Karl Marx in his Communist Manifesto. He talked about the capitalist and the proletariat. And so he had those two categories. And there's no way in his mind to reconcile the two. You just have to, the one is the oppressor and the other is the oppressed. And eventually you just have to bring down the oppressor. One of the ways that he recommended doing that was the elimination of private property so critical race theory takes those same categories um, but it's just instead of talking about an economic situation strictly it's and the worker and the capitalist is now uh, implements race into it so it's it just automatically puts whites into the category of oppressor and then black brown any non-white race into the category of oppressed and there is no reconciliation. There's no forgiveness. Um, as a Christian, I see that being extremely problematic for multiple reasons. But one of them is that there's no forgiveness. And to tell me that you know the situation is irredeemable, I just I don't believe that at all. And I also don't believe in putting people into these categories based strictly upon race, because that's racist. It's inherently racist. So, in logic, um, with my students in logic class, one of the things that we talk about are attributes. And there's two types of attributes we talk about in logic, essential attributes and accidental attributes. So, an essential attribute is if you took that attribute away, you would no longer have that thing anymore. So, if we... We'll just use flowers for an example. If you took away petals, then you don't have a flower. You might have a leaf, you might have a stick, you might have a rock, you might have many things, but you don't have a flower because petals are an essential attribute of flowers. Without petals, they're not flowers. An accidental attribute could be the shape of the flower, the size, or the color of the flower. It doesn't matter whether it's pink or blue or white, you can change the accidental attribute, it's not going to inherently change what the thing is. So when you apply that to human beings, racism is whenever you take an accidental attribute like skin color and you turn it into an essential attribute when it's not. And that is exactly what critical race theory is doing is taking an accidental attribute, which is the skin color of an individual, and it's saying that there are now essential characteristics and attributes attached to this that are inherent to the person because of their color. And that's that's racism right there. So it's a racist system, and it, it puts children into categories that They don't necessarily deserve to be put into, and nor can they escape it. So I don't think any parent wants to have their child labeled as an oppressor. But I don't think parents want to have their children labeled as victims either. So why would we do that? (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I think the social justice warriors, unfortunately, have a twisted version of justice that they are seeking there, um, it's not a, a true form of godly justice in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, so, now you touched on this a minute, so the question is, because I'm in my mid-50s, and I have to tell you that in the last few years, when I start started seeing statues being taken down, and this curriculum being pushed, and we have to erase this out of our history, and, and do all the things that we've been doing. And I ask myself, you know, how did I get this far in life and not understand the need for this? Like, I, I don't understand how I've known who Robert E. Lee was. And by the way, I'm not, for those of you listening, I'm not defending the South. In fact, if you look at my own personal heritage, my family fought in the Civil War for the North, okay? So my, my ancestors uh, fought to end slavery, and we, we did that. And so I don't know how we went from 1865 to 2021, and now all of a sudden we have to tear down everything that we've had in place since that time. And we seem to have done fine until now. And all of a sudden, now we have to erase every single thing that we know. I don't know how that happened because I don't remember growing up and there being talk in school classrooms or in the home or anywhere where people said, hey, you know something? We need to we need to erase our history or we need to change our history or we need to cancel these things. It just seemed to pop up in the last year. So there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. Right? Something behind it. What is driving that? Why, why is there this big push? All of a sudden, in 2020, it started.
1: Mm-hmm. Why? That's a great question. I don't know if I know the answer to that, but I would say that it's very common for progressives to do whatever they can to disconnect us from the past. So it's always about the future. They will always say there is so much more work to do. I can't tell you how many times I hear that whenever I go on to click on a website or something that they that a progressive candidate or elected official um, you know has, that mantra, "There is so much more work to do comes up all the time. So they're always looking toward the future. Which is good to look toward the future. But there is an, a very concerted, strong attempt to disconnect us from the past through either saying the past is bad and you should not, you know, feel any type of sense of pride in the past of our country. So the past is bad or just erase the past. Or we'll give you a new altered form of history to to believe so there's always that aim to disconnect us from the past which i think is very dangerous that should send red flags our way perhaps maybe it's because there god forbid that we should look to the past and feel some type of obligation toward the past and and the folks that lived past generations and what they have done for us or the accomplishments that they have made, um, any country though any nation that is successful will have a history, and the people of that nation should feel proud of their history. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you expect raise a generation of children and teach them that the history of their nation is evil and wrong and then expect that generation to rise up and defend that nation when she calls upon them mm-hmm. I don't see that happening so I see the way history being is being taught now in many schools I see it as a national security issue
0: I, you know what I don't know that I looked at it that way, maybe in the back of my mind, but I, I don't know that it came to my forefront until you and I had that discussion earlier, that this actually is a national security issue. And now that you've you framed it the way that you did, I have to agree with mm-hmm. that. Because how are we going to depend on the, the current and future generations to defend the nation when we need them to, mm-hmm. when they believe that their nation... is inherently evil Mm -hmm. and I've had I've had some of the friends of my own children come to the house and like we had one I won't say incident it was my daughter told me about it she told me that when her friends came to the house and said that uh, my American flag which you saw when you came here and flying in front of the house made her feel uncomfortable Wow. now I I don't I have never experienced that in my life but this, this young young woman, I'll call her, because she's, she's probably 20 years old now, um, I never thought that flying an American flag as an American citizen living in America would make another American feel uncomfortable. That just blows my mind. But you know mm-hmm. what? I don't think that young lady's alone. I really no, I don't think, I don't think so
1: either. Unfortunately not.
0: That, now, you, you put that out 20 years from now. Where are we going to be? And I, in, in the world that I've worked in my entire adult life... And you've been around yourself I look around there's a lot of people on this planet on the move that really don't like us Mm -hmm. and really want to cause us harm and the people that I am going to have to depend on because I'm out of that game now Mm -hmm. but the people I'm going to have to depend on you're going to have to depend on really don't like us Mm -hmm. just as much as the people overseas don't like us that's frightening to me Mm -hmm. that's frightening to me and I never thought in my lifetime we would be in that place
1: no I didn't either um Growing up, there was just a real sense of pride in being an American. Um, that's much more difficult to come by these days. Usually people who have served in the military feel that same sense of pride still. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks in law enforcement feel that pride. Uh, you know, there's there's some Americans that do, but there's a growing number, particularly in the younger gen- generation, who are not expressing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's troubling.
0: And and it all starts at the educational level. It does. And so, um, obviously, in office, you will be pushing to ensure that critical race theory and and let's be and I I love what the Democrats do about this. You know how they they frame things. Mm-hmm. I am truly amazed at how good Democrats are. And if you're listening to this program and you're a Democrat, my hat's off to you. I, I really, You guys are really good at doing, framing arguments in a way that it makes it very difficult to attack. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory. Those types of things. Because if I criticize it, you don't like black people? Of course I like black people. I have no issues whatsoever. None. Mm-hmm. Then why don't you like Black Lives Matter? Because it's Marxist. Because it's anti-American. Oh, so the very name they place on it means that you can't criticize. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory, they, they, the same thing. These are Marxist ideas. Mm-hmm. They cannot be allowed in our school systems. They cannot be. So that'll be an agenda item for you as
1: well. Right, yes. And our Republican candidate for Governor, Yunkin, has already expressed that if he is elected, then there will be no critical race theory taught in Virginia schools. Great. Yep. And so I completely back him on that. It, it just, it undermines, um, honestly, it undermines unity in our country. You know, our, our motto, E Pluribus Unum. Mm-hmm. Out of many, one. Critical race theory is not seeking one. They're seeking categories and then to pit them against one another. And it plays very well into identity politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It,
0: and you mentioned also, um, you mentioned police officers and how uh, police officers take great pride in the, in the country, and they do. I, I can tell you for a fact that um, if you come from a military background, the police back, the police world is, is very similar as far as viewpoints regarding the nation. I mean, let's face it, uh, the vast majority of people that go into the military and the vast majority of people that go into law enforcement do that because they're not doing it for the money. I can, I can tell you that. Right. Uh, I've lived that. <laughs> And they're doing it because they care deeply about their community. Mm-hmm. And you see what's happening now, in the last, particularly the last year. Um, you, again, running for a state office. Um, what are your, your thoughts about what's going on with the police? And how would you address it? Because now we're seeing a backlash, aren't we? Defund the police. Defund the police. We've done that. Homicide. Homicide. There are some cities in this country where the homicide rate has gone up 400% in one
1: year. Yeah. One year. Yeah, that's terrible. Crime.
0: Actually, I don't know that there's a measurable statistic Mm -hmm. that has not increased. It will vary between the percentage points, but they've all increased. Mm -hmm. And even liberals are saying, whoa, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's not a good idea. No. If you want to change things in policing, we can have a civil discussion about that. And I would love to have that discussion, but to defund the police is insane, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I agree. It's a ridiculous notion. It's ridiculous to think that you can defund the police and somehow create a safer community. If you think that, then you're quite naive about human nature. Human beings, we're very creative, we're rational, we're. God's prized creation but because of uh, you know the fall of mankind we are not inherently good and given the opportunity um, many people will commit a crime uh, you know unless you have some type of self-restraint and the law restrains us I think we forget that Um, yes we restrain ourselves but think about also too how much the law restrains you. Were there times that you would have done something, but the idea of getting in trouble with the law prevented you from doing that and carrying it forward? Sure. Everybody can probably say, yeah, I didn't want to get in trouble with the law, so I didn't do X thing. Um, So the law acts as a restraining force upon people and society. Well, law doesn't mean anything unless it's enforced. Mm -hmm. Any parent can tell you that, right? I have five children. And there have been times where I've made up a rule, and then later on I thought, wow, enforcing this rule is really a pain. Mm -hmm. And so, eventually, I just kind of maybe dropped off on enforcing that particular rule, and my children caught on to that, and then it wasn't long before they were doing whatever I didn't want them to do, because I was failing to enforce the rule. So, laws mean nothing unless they are enforced. Children know that, would-be criminals know that, society knows that. So, you have to have some type of enforcement, and that's our that's our police, to demoralize our police by saying, you are just somehow at the root bad, and we are going to defund you, is not going to create a safer society. Uh, there are, I'm sure, there are things that we can do to give better training, make some reforms, but that requires funding the police, not Defunding the police. Also, I believe too. It would not just believe, but it is the case that there is a narrative that's being pushed that misleads people. I was talking with uh, a gentleman yesterday. I was out knocking on doors, uh, passing out my flyers, and I had a great conversation with this. Uh, it was probably maybe in his early thirties, late twenties. This young man. Um, and I asked him, we came up on the topic of police and the idea of defunding the police. And I asked him, to your best guess, in the year of 2019, how many black men do you think were killed by police? And he said, oh, I don't know, but I would guess probably thousands. The answer is Nine. And then I asked him, "How many white men do you think were killed by police?" And he was like, "I don't know." Now I don't. Now I don't know anything. And he, I said, 19. Um, and these are uh, statistics, actually from the Washington Post. Um, so, yes, folks are misled into believing that our police are going around arbitrarily. Uh, killing folks, or maybe with a vendetta against a particular race to kill folks of that race. But the statistics do not back that up at all. Um, so, yes, we can do some things to make policing better, but it's going to require funding the police and also supporting them as a community in saying, we appreciate the work that you do, because without you, there would be anarchy and we would not be safe. And I think that we are seeing now, post one year from you know, the, the summer rioting, that the defunding the police has real consequences for real people that are not beneficial at all. To
0: any of us. Right. To any of us. And the police world is the only profession where... The entire nation chimes in and believes they know what's best and how to handle the police. Mm -hmm. When I watch the news, when I read newspapers, very rarely do I hear people that have actually been inside law enforcement ask their opinion of of what could be changed. Here on the Mark Fine Show, I have done an episode where I explained to the audience what I believe really happened in Minneapolis and is happening in other police departments for that matter. And it has nothing to do with racism. Nothing to do Mm -hmm. with it. Um, Because the statistics just don't pan out that the police are out randomly mowing down black people. It's not not fact. It has never been a fact. It is not true. There are not wide swaths of racists in police departments. In nearly 25 years of law enforcement, I've never experienced that inside law enforcement. Never. Not once. Mm Mm-hmm. So I watch the news and I wonder where these narratives are coming from because that was never my experience. And for those of you that think that, well, maybe I wasn't working the right place, I worked in Washington D.C. in the Metropolitan Police Department. The neighborhood I worked in in the mid 1990s was all black. It was not. It was not mostly black. It was all black where Mm -hmm. I worked, and and I never experienced that. Most of the police officers were white, and it was an entirely black neighborhood, and I did not experience what I see in the narratives. It's 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 something that's made up. As you mentioned earlier, we're driving these narratives because we're trying to pit American against American. Sure, there's reforms that need to be done. There, there's things that we can and should do in policing, but it's not what the liberals are telling us. And you, as you aptly said, we are demoralizing the police. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, we or they're leaving in droves, and that's yeah. not what you want because no. you don't like policing today, folks. What's funny about the narrative that we're pushing out? is it's actually creating a worse problem than if you weren't pushing that narrative because who in their right mind today would A, want to go into police work or B, stay in police work if they were already in it. And that's going to leave you with what? What are you going to have 10 years from now, 20 years from
1: now? Mm -hmm. And you know, I find it really interesting You know, September 11th is coming up. Mm -hmm. It'll be 20 years. And remember 20 years ago, how we hailed our police and our first responders as heroes. Because they were, and they still are. So why, but somehow the the narrative, like you said, is changing. It has changed. And they've gone from hero to villain Mm -hmm. in a span of 20 years, which is really a short time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm not buying that that's the actual case. That's not true.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and if you're listening to this program and you are a first responder, um, you've got to get involved. All right. You, you've got to get involved. This has been a driving focus of this program is that we a lot of times we conservatives tend to not involve ourselves in political issues because politics is.
1: It, unsavory it's unsavory and I know and it's so
0: funny because because you're running for obvi- office right yeah. and you're saying well this is unsavory but but I hear you I know it is I, I'm a my background I'm a political science major and I've you know i been around this for a long time I've been in Washington a long time and it is an unsavory thing but it's a necessary thing mm-hmm. because uh, it's a vacuum if you're if you're not involved I always say this you know if you're not involved then who will be somebody's going to be involved sure and if it's not you then who mm-hmm. right Right. You are probably not going to like who that other person is that, no. that gets involved. These are the necessary things, I, folks. I, I felt compelled to this to do this podcast. I actually didn't want to do it. I was compelled to do it because I am watching my nation fall apart, mm-hmm. and I am watching my colleagues, my peers, my friends that have similar viewpoints not involved, and therefore look at what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't like Donald Trump. So you either a don't vote or vote for the other person, and that's gotten us where? Mm-hmm. I mean, can can we be honest? Can we just have an honest moment here? Sure. Is there anyone that believes that six months after the inauguration of the uh, the Biden administration, um, we're in a better place? I mean, is there anybody? Is there anybody that genuinely believes that today?
1: I don't know. Is anyone. there anybody that believes that? <laughs> I haven't met one yet.
0: Right? And even for my liberal friends out there, and there's a lot of you that listen to this. Can you honestly say we are in a better place today? Right? So this is what we're left with. And I don't believe it. The way that Ronald Reagan used to say it, he said that conservatives were the silent majority. Silent majority. I believe that. Mm -hmm. I I do not. I cannot believe. My mind will not allow me to believe that we as a nation are okay with what's happening.
1: No, I don't think people are. I think people are very troubled. Yes. And, you know, for some of us like me, it pushes you to the point where you get in the arena. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But there are plenty of things that you can do, even if you're not down with running for elected office, because most people are not. The word politician. Yes, it's cringy. Um, I prefer statesman. (laughs) <laughs> That's my preferred or stateswoman or a stateswoman. <laughs> yes, um, but even if you're not interested in becoming a candidate, you can still, as a conservative, get involved because in Virginia, in all 100 of the House of Delegate districts, there is a Republican candidate. Okay. The degree to how conservative that re- that Republican is may vary, but they are a Republican candidate, and so they're going to be more conservative than their Democratic counterparts. That candidate needs your help. That candidate cannot get into office by himself or herself. This is not a one-man show. It is a team effort. So you might be thinking, well, what can I do? There's a lot of things that you can do. You can help them knock on doors and talk to people. You can help them by donating to their campaign. It's really shocking whenever you learn how much money you have to raise as a candidate in order to be competitive. So you can donate. You can host a fundraiser for them. You can gather your friends and neighbors and do what we call a meet and greet where um, they would... They would get to introduce themselves to the people that you invite to, to your home. Um, you could be a precinct captain or a neighborhood captain where you help to ensure that the people in your area, whether that's your neighborhood or a precinct, that they get out and vote. And you have to vote. No conservative can sit this election out. Early voting starts September 18th. Vote early. I'm tempted to say vote often, but I won't. <laughs> vote once. You're only allowed one vote. But vote. you <laughs>
0: only one time. Only one, one time. vote. <laughs>
1: um, and so vote early and get your friends and neighbors out to vote as well. Some folks may be tempted to say, oh, I've had enough of politics or my vote doesn't matter or you can't. You know, you can't trust those machines that they run those votes through, and they will use that as an excuse to not go out and vote. You have to grab those people and say, you know what, we're going to go vote, and then afterwards we're going to go get, you know, some donuts and coffee, but we are going to vote. Uh, No one can sit this election out. If you're a conservative in Virginia and you want to see changes in this state, you have to vote.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you, if you're one of those, and I because I've heard that argument, and I'm glad you brought that up, that I've heard a lot of people say, you know, Mike, my vote doesn't count. Uh, there's so much fraud going on, the, the Democrats are gonna cheat. It doesn't matter, so I won't show it. Look, listen, folks, you do your part. You do your part. There are, you know let that's an issue for other there are other people that look at election integrity, there's people that will look at that, but we can't do anything with that unless you vote, okay? The the, the fraud and all of the other issues that go on, let the people that that that's their that's their lane that they deal with, let them deal with it. But your part, you Mm -hmm. always do your part is you show up, you vote, you do you lead from where you stand and you do what you can do. Let other people worry about those issues. Mm -hmm. But that's a really good point, because particularly now, after the last general election, a lot of people question the integrity Mm in legitimacy of the election itself
1: sure and you know just in my campaign i know that there are several folks who are going um to the training to be election officers so that they can actually have a say it's more than just being a poll watcher but they can actually do something about a situation if it arises so if you feel very strongly about election fraud then go get the training to be an election officer So that way you're on duty, you're on watch whenever uh, people are coming to the polls. So these are these are really important things. You can put up a yard sign in your yard. Um, You know, you can make phone calls for these candidates, but you have to rally around the person who has raised their hand to say, "Okay, I'm going to be a candidate and I'm going to run for office. You have to rally around them and work together as a team to get them to Richmond.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Are there any issues that, in this session, again, we'll do more sessions down the road, anything that I've not asked you about that you'd want to cover, that you want to put out today for the listeners?
1: Well, I would just, so many of us, I think, feel discouraged right now. And I think maybe part of being a conservative is... um, Things have to get really bad before <laughs> before we get enough ants in our pants to get us moving. OK, and we're, we're at that point where folks are very discouraged. Um, they're worried. They're concerned. I would say instead of sitting on the couch watching the news and wringing your hands and, and cursing at the TV, you um, just get out there and do what you can do. Become more civically minded. Research the candidates. Find the candidate that you like and help that person get elected. Um, just We have to do our part. And I would say also too, if you are a believer, pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for the state of Virginia. The goal for us as Virginian candidates who are conservative, our goal is to flip for virginia from being a blue state to being a red state because in many ways virginia serves as a litmus test for how the rest of the nation will go when we get to the midterms in 2022 our goal is for the rest of the nation to see wow look at virginia they They had the blue trifecta going on there. You know, the the Democrats controlled the governor's mansion and both houses of the state legislature. But look at what the conservatives did. They totally flipped it around. If they can do it, we can do it. And the rest of the nation will rally behind Virginia. And Virginia will lead the way in standing up and saying, we are not okay with the direction that this country is, is taking and the course that she is on. It leads us to, honestly, an abyss. Right now, our culture, our society, we are in free fall. And if you're feeling uncomfortable... That's because you're, you're in free fall. I don't know the physics, you know, to say what number. I think it's like 9.8 meters squared per second or something like that. Uh, I'm a history teacher, a humanities teacher, not a science teacher. But
0: well, you're <laughs> in luck. I, I have a degree in political science, so okay. I'm actually a scientist.
1: Are you now? <laughs> Can you answer that physics question? Um, no. But I'll make something up. Yeah, So, it, but it's an uncomfortable feeling when you're in free fall. If you're uncomfortable, there's a reason why. So pray for our nation um, and and pray for the success of good candidates because all it takes for um, the same, for evil to triumph, is for good men to do nothing. Mm -hmm. So you've got good men and women here in Virginia who are trying to fight back rally behind them, rally behind the Virginians, and let's lead the way to putting our country back on the right course for the sake of our children and grandchildren, and also as part of our obligation to the past generations of Americans who did it for us. We owe that to them.
0: That is so well said, and it's so true. Folks, you know, our time on planet Earth is really, if you think about it like that, that big. You know, our influence in history world history is is very very small and 50 years 100 years from now when people look back what are they going to say you know we had this experiment this american experiment that mm-hmm. light ronald reagan used to say that you know with the shining light on the hill mm-hmm. uh you know 100 years from now do you want do you want your relatives down the road to say well, what the hell did you do with that and why did you let that happen sure why did you let that happen mm-hmm. um
1: Well, and you know, it was John Winthrop who actually said that as they were coming to Massachusetts Bay Colony um, in a sermon that he gave to those brave men and women who got on that little ship to cross the Atlantic Ocean to come over here and start a new life, a new civilization in a new world. You know... That was a very brave thing for them to do. And he pointed out to them, look, we're going to have, and really, he was saying, we have to work together on this. If your neighbor has a need and you have the resources to help them, then you need to share with your neighbor because we need to do this together. Why? Because everyone is looking to see what happens, what we do. They're watching us. And you know, that really has always been America where everybody's watching America to see what is America going to do. So from very early on, we were leaders and we need to continue that leadership and continue to be, like John Winthrop said, that city on a hill that everybody sees and they're watching. I think the rest of the world is watching us now. They're They were certainly watching us last summer during our season of rioting. And I think they're still watching us to see what is America going to do? Are they going to be able to hold it together? Are they going to be able to hold on to their principles? Um, Let's show them, yes, we are going to hold on to it. We are Americans. We may not be perfect. We're certainly not perfect. But Uh, I think it was Churchill who said something like, After exhausting all other options, Americans will do the right thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's a new one for me. Yeah. That's a new one for me. I like that a lot.
1: So we will. We will rise up and we will do the right thing. And we will continue to be that city on a hill and that inspiration to the rest of the world. That's our place.
0: Wow. That is so powerful. And I really appreciate you joining us today. So... One final time, how can they reach you, how that can they support you in your particular campaign, um, and any contact information you want to share?
1: Sure. So, the website is Gina, G-I-N-A, 4, spelled out, F-O-R, Virginia, also spelled out, dot .com. So, Gina4Virginia.com. And on the website, you can sign up to be on our mailing list, which will keep you in, in, uh, in the know about what our campaign is doing. You can also donate easily and securely online at ginaforvirginia.com. Uh, you can also reach us through our Facebook page, which is GinaCRCA for Delegate. So C-I-A-R-C-I-A, Gina C-R-C-A for delegate. Um, and there you can keep up with events and uh, things that we're doing. In fact, I just posted um, a couple of hours ago my brief video for uh, a happy Independence Weekend and just talking about some of those founding principles that are relayed to us in the Declaration of Independence Um I think it's good for us to be reminded of those roots and remember what we stand for. Yeah. So, yes, you can reach me through the website. You can also contact me through the website as well. So, ginaforvirginia.com is probably the best way to get in touch with our campaign.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Remember, get out vote early. And Don't once vote often. once <laughs> just, just Once. One time. <laughs> Oh, I, that's been. It's been a great pleasure talking with you today. I really appreciate yeah. you coming out here. Thank again, you in person. Yes, it is so exciting. I, I'm meeting people. I haven't talked to people in a long time, face to face. Anyway, yes, yeah, but nice. this has been fantastic. So, folks, thanks again. This is uh, Mark Fine's Welcome, or, or thank you for coming to the Mark Fine Show today and spread this out. You know, really get this information out to uh, folks, not just in Virginia but across the country, because a lot of the messages that you gave us today really. Re- really apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. And we need to, you know, support all of the Republican candidates across the the great country of ours. And I you've really inspired me and really motivated me on this Independence Day weekend. And I was Worried earlier in the year that uh, we weren't going to be allowed to celebrate the 4th of July and did a whole podcast on that, and here we did are. Did you
1: write Biden for permission? Uh,
0: we <laughs> talked about that. that uh, hopefully Joe will Joe Biden will allow us to go in our own backyards and barbecue, but uh, uh, in case you're listening to the Biden administration, I'm doing it whether you like it or not. We're <laughs> going to do that, because that's what we do in America. But thanks yeah. again for coming to the Mark Vine Show. You're welcome. F- guys, folks. Follow us on, on Facebook, uh, you know, support the program, spread this. And we are going to be coming at you with a whole series in covering the Republican candidates as we lead into this very, very important election. Because as you mentioned, Gina, we, we've got to get, Virginia really is, is that litmus test. Mm-hmm. Because it's become so solid blue mm-hmm. that if we flip it, that will send a message yes. to the administration for what's coming uh, next year. You'll tell them to watch out. Absolutely. Folks, I'm not good. And for those of you that, that have just given up on all politics and on the country, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. We have to stay involved. Uh, please pay attention to what's going on, but get out and vote and, and participate and, and support these candidates out there. So with that, folks, uh, take care. You have a great weekend, and we'll be talking with you soon.